0: (laughs) I want to welcome everybody to another episode of lounging with skip um episode 42 I'm glad you all could be you know sitting here with us and you know being able to hear one's journey and and what got them to where they are today um it's a very uh inspirational and, 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 and positive thinking moment for those out there who inspire to be better than what they are and who know they can be better. So I want to welcome you all to another episode. I'm sitting here with a woman that I met on the set of um, the CBS show SEAL Team and being in the trailer having conversation I realized that this woman has a story I mean we all have stories but this woman has a story as well and so we all were up in there vibing out and I asked her I said hey would you be interested in being interviewed for um, my podcast and she was like hell yeah let's do it And I was like great (laughs) Um, and then come to find out well before that we have a mutual friend um, in the industry an actor, Blair Underwood. And so that was cool too. Um, so I wanna welcome everybody to this episode, Tony Trucks, actress, um uh 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 you know the superstar actress Tony Trucks. Um uh, how's everything been?
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: How's everything it's been? It's been
1: good. It's been good. I was uh is it good i was saying you know we got logged on here i was like i can finally see your face
0: yeah
1: um i only get to see because we all have the masks we all have our masks on yeah extra safe so you see me in fits and starts i think but um but no it's nice to actually see you and talk to you and connect so i'm looking forward to this
0: so let's start from the beginning where where are you where were you born
1: I was born in Michigan. I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, and then I grew up a, a bit north of there in, in a very small uh, town uh, called Manistee. And um, yeah, that so that sort of... Uh,
0: sm- you uh, said it was a small town?
1: You know, where I, where I grew up. Pardon?
0: You said it was a small town?
1: Very small. Very small, very white. Mm. Um. And so there were two, two black families, maybe, wow. in, in town.
0: How many people were in the um,
1: So that made for 7,000 in the town, 10,000 in the county. Wow. So very tiny. Mm. And you could, you could, you could, you know, sneeze and make the paper pretty much, which was <laughs> my goal. Um. Uh but the, the the good part of the town is that they uh, had a really vibrant uh, arts community randomly. So there was a lot of opportunities to perform um, in local theater and you know, dance uh, dance companies and things like that. And I was in close proximity to a arts academy and camp called Interlaken. Um, so I, you know, begged, begged my parents at some point and after I had kind of exhausted the community of opportunity, uh, opportunities within the community to go to the camp, um, and be with kids my age that also wanted to be performers. And then also, and then ultimately went to high school there. Um, so that, that, uh, was really eye-opening and a game changer for my career and my experience, really.
0: Now, um, as a little girl, what was it, do you remember your first moment when you decided, or what was your first experience of seeing someone perform that was intriguing for you at such an early age?
1: Oh, um, gosh. I always loved performing and being in front of me. I mean, I was that annoying kid at the family reunion. That's like, we're going to do a show. We're going to do a show. We're going to show everybody the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was always trying to like organize my cousins um, when they would come up. And um, but I remember my uh, dad took me to see a play at the local theater. The Ramsdale Theater, it's a beautiful old playhouse. And there was a little girl about my age that like wheeled a cake across the stage. And I was like, what's happening? Why did no one call me for this part, you know? (laughs) And um, I just wanted to do it so badly, uh, just to be up there. And then I think I had this moment where I realized that um, in watching like Rudy Huxtable, you know, all these things, I was like, wait a minute, people are doing this for their job, for their actual job. What's happening here? And when I realized that, there was kind of no going back. So immediately after that, my you know parents helped me to start auditioning for plays and things like that. And um, I was already out um, dancing and I was singing in the church choir, whatever it was. I was just trying to sharpen all the tools in the toolbox. And, um, and so then after that, I so I did my first play when I was seven. I guess and um and continued to just do as many plays and as many performances as i could as i could in the community as possible and the good thing was i was um for their limited scope of um diversity and experience in the community i was surrounded by a lot of adults that were very encouraging and um that was extremely impactful because because i was living in a incubator um uh, a tiny tiny incubator and so my world wasn't just a world of yeses everyone was like oh yeah you can do that you can do that you can do it so it didn't occur to me until much later when I when I left that incubator that um people were better than me mm-hmm. and that there were kids that wanted it knew more um and I was like oh my <laughs> you yes. know that was yes. terrifying
0: No. um as a little girl, it's interesting because it seems like a lot of young girls, preferably Black girls, during the time when the Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby show came out, Rudy was their 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 person that they saw like, what? Because it was such a the fact that she acted at that role as such a little girl, like, like genuinely, like it didn't seem fake and it made those in that position feel like they could do that and so i believe that a lot of absolutely actresses were sparked from seeing rudy at such an early age doing that role you know and and you're one of those you know
1: yeah i think you're absolutely right yeah i think you're so right. and also what she was doing is like i mean i, I think like you said perfectly just being herself for the most part just being a kid and I think that that gave a lot of little black girls um, black kids period feeling like they had the freedom to just be and just being was enough yeah and that's huge yeah. that is huge so you're not trying to fit into any other mold your life being me is just enough and so yeah. I you know think that it definitely was a community community that kind of fostered that for sure and you know oddly enough, um, although the community is predominantly white, it um, because of this theater that was there, it had a long, long, you know, it's a you know, built 1902 uh, oh. theater. It has a long history of a lot of different actors coming through there, namely um, James Earl Jones. Mm. So James Earl Jones got his start at the same theater. Um, wow. We got our start at the same theater, and he did his first performance of Othello there. Um, and so it, even though I've felt in a lot of ways um, you know, solo. Mm -hmm. It was nice to be, I had a nice, you know, path to follow. Um, I felt like I was in good company.
0: Yeah, I mean, to to know that James Earl Jones performed at that same theater. So was he from the same town that you're from?
1: He was from a neighboring town. So, um, like, my my parents grew up in, um, you know, two neighboring communities. One was called Baldwin, one is called Idlewild. And Idlewild is a old black resort town.
0: Like the Outcast movie, jazz
1: circuit loosely, loosely, like the yes, like the Outcast movie. So very, very loosely based on that exactly, though, Um, which I auditioned for that movie, and oh my god, I wanted it so bad. I was like, you don't understand, I'm from there. Uh, uh, But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the jazz circuit. There were you know black hotels, black showgirls, um, like you know every every wonderful huge black performer came through there. Ooh. And so my mom's family lives in you know the Idawald area. My dad's family lived in Baldwin. They were two tiny I mean Baldwin's predominantly white and they were couched right next to each other. Um and you know, so my dad there's still stories of like, you know, sneaking over to Idlewild to watch shows. Wow. Um um now when Jim Crow laws were obliterated, unfortunately um Idlewild in its heyday was also obliterated as well, you know, cause then all of a sudden black people could go to the Catskills, they could go um, to all the places white people and they should, they, they needed to, you know, we needed to exercise that muscle and say, we can be here too. Yeah. Um, the underbelly of that is that these other beautiful communities uh, were devastated by poverty overnight. Mm. Nah.
0: Um,
1: so, nah. yeah. yeah, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, I noticed- uh, But no, yeah, so anyways, I, I guess I, I digress. James Earl Jones is from that same sort of a, a community right around there. So uh, he was sort of, he grew up in in that area in Michigan, and then so found himself at a summer stock theater in in Manistee, which is, you know, 50 miles away or so, ultimately went to University of Michigan. i then also went to University of Michigan, so I feel like we've just been like, I'm just trailing him, I'm like, I'll get you, yet, yeah, James Earl
0: Jones. Mm-hmm. I'm coming for you, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um oh
1: yeah
0: now now before i continue i notice it's a slight lagging so i notice when i ask a question it's maybe like a slight lagging going on so i what i'm what i'll do is when i ask and then you speak then once you stop then i'll continue that way we don't overlap one another no problem okay um so now here you are a little girl performing um what how was it in high school going in high school for you um were you performing in high school and, uh, and things of that nature
1: yeah absolutely um i mean we when i went into high school I had, a, I had an incredible drama teacher um named nancy ferguson who was we we just never stopped doing plays and musicals and things like that and right from my freshman year she Was like, how about you star in this? And also, why don't you choreograph it? And I was like, I've never choreographed anything. And, but because she just was like, oh, well, you can, I just did. And that was great. You know, that was just so impactful and um, did, you know, plays all the way through high school. And then, as I said, after my junior year, I quickly realized that I needed to make a big decision because. I wanted to be an actor and a performer. I really wanted to do Broadway stuff. So I um, realized that I should probably go to Interlochen. I should probably go to this arts academy that was, you know, like kind of like fame, right? Mm -hmm. And immerse myself around kids that were doing the things curricularly that most kids do extracurricularly. Mm. So instead of doing AP math, I would spend my days in acting class, spend my days in dance classes, spend my days in singing classes. That's dope. And, uh, and thank the Lord I got in, you know, my parents agreed, my mom and dad agreed, and mortgaged the house and, uh, you know, got me to, got me to go to interlock and, and um, it was a game changer for me. And, and it was a game changer for the way that colleges perceived me as well. Um, so I felt overly prepared for, for college when I finally got there.
0: No. Uh,
1: but I definitely, you know, you, you experienced that as well at school trying to navigate all, you know, I was in a community, right, where I am the only black girl around. Mm. And so it was defined me in such a huge way. Wow. In, in, in my self-perception as well. And then you get into these other other places. And, and it also so it defined me, but also people weren't really talking about it, you know, because they uh, you're considered an exception, which is a mindfuck, you know, and then you get into these other communities. So all of a sudden I was at a high school that was doing plays and all of a sudden my race was a factor out of, out of nowhere for me.
0: And I was like,
1: wait, what? Like I, I cause my, my my school up to that point, it had never really come up, you know? And all of a sudden they're doing cabaret and they're like, well, you can't have a black girl be Sally Bolt. And I'm like, why not? You have Josephine Baker, you have, and it made me start to arm myself in this way where I was like, I have to do my homework so that I can defend my rights to um, take up space here. Mm. You know? So it was a it was an early um, early lesson. Um, yeah, it was now, interesting. You know.
0: Now, now now let's back up. So you so you're a dancer as well. Yes. And when did you start? Yes, I've,
1: I've danced since I was like six years old.
0: Oh, since you were six years old, you've been dancing. OK, so going into these programs, yeah. you were dancing. And that's what made your freshman teacher say, yeah, you can choreograph, you can act. And so you kind of took that like, really? So it was kind of like the world was your oyster at, that, at such an early age in that position, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I loved dancing so much. I, you know, for a while considered just being a dancer. Mm-hmm. I started out doing modern dance, and then obviously did all the things you're supposed to do: jazz, tap, ballet, mm-hmm. hip hop, whatever, all the things. And um, actually, when I went into school uh, to when it, when I got to Interlock, and I was trying to decide, am I going to be a theater major or a dance major? And the deciding factor was essentially that if I was a theater major, I could dance. But if I was a dance major, I couldn't do theater, mm. and I knew that I wanted to do Broadway. So I was like, I need to do the program always that lets me do all the things, you know. Um, now, so that's I'm, how I kind of started on that path.
0: I'm curious to know, at such an early age, you were headstrong and knew at such an early age where you wanted to go, and not a lot of not a lot of you know people, kids, teenagers who are. 15, 16, 17 years old are so focused in knowing where they want to go. They're still just kind of, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, but you knew <laughs> what was it for you at that point of your life and why was that point of your life such an impactful moment for you to say, this is where I want to go in life versus just kind of rolling with the punches of life.
1: Right, right, right. Like I'm just gonna get my pre closets done. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, this is probably a real question for my therapist, Skip, but you know, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, why does a tiny person want to spend the majority of their day pretending to be someone else? Right, and um, and I, I, I loved, I loved, the, I love, continue to this day, but I loved then so much, the math of performing. It made sense to me, it was comfortable, and it was very safe to me. You do this, they laugh. You do this, they cry. You do this, they applaud. I I could get comfortable in that um, formula. Mm. Um, You know, I think, probably comment on whatever other tumultuous stuff I I was experiencing as a little person, I just really thrived in that environment to say, oh, I can do this you know and I can anticipate your reaction in a way that makes me feel safe and ultimately I think as I like kept growing as a former now I can really see as an adult the value in the storytelling and the value of seeing your own life reflected back and also having the ability to be an instrument to reflect other people's lives back to them and that growth and that cathartic healing that can happen and so I really have such a much more of an admiration and a, a deeper love for performing than I did than it satisfying my own needs as a little person.
0: It's kind of like, in a way, um, a high. A, yeah. a spiritual high, so to speak. I mean, it kind of, and you speaking on this, reminds me of myself because at such an early age, I received this high of being able to a spiritual high, so to speak, because of being able to do a haircut and Get the response like, man, that's tight. It was like it was a confidence booster. <laughs> yeah. The same, the same with producing music. When you make, when I make music and someone hears a song I did or a beat, they're like, man, that's dope. For me, that's a spiritual, it's a high, you know what I mean? And it makes you want to continue more because the math is there of the response, so to speak. The the action, the response. And if I do good in this action, then the response is gonna be good.
1: That's
0: right. And so That's it becomes right. a continuous cycle. It's cyclical, right? You know? So. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah. Now, I mean, yeah.
0: Now, now, moving forward into your senior year, here we are now at this point. College is on the way. Where did you get like a, uh, a scholarship to go to a performing arts school? And then before I continue with that, I want to say that is so dope that you were in a school where it wasn't like science 101 or math 101 <laughs> it was literally acting 101 uh the uh, uh 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 speech you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah you it, it it was cool and i mean that school actually you could be an academic major too they they you know you could be just a smarty pants and go or you could be a creative artist a visual artist if you want if you're a painter you could do any instrument you could do voice uh, now you can do filmmaking so they can really do anything there so that, so that was um really beneficial um but yes yes absolutely we had to take out loans i got a tiny scholarship i think mm-hmm. um, but i mean i paid <laughs> i paid off my senior year of high school for longer than I'd care to admit and uh, but it was worth it it really it really was you know?
0: and what's so what what school did you end up going to? after um, Yassine, interlocking
1: yeah Um, I went to University of Michigan I um, auditioned all around and um, my father had gone to University of Michigan James Earl Jones had gone to University of Michigan
0: wow so you're trailing (laughs) him I'm an eye on you and
1: and also it was a really small program that accepted 10 girls and 10 boys that was it Mm-hmm. and so there's a lot and, and it just had such a good track record for the um people that were coming out of that program they were booking they were and they were booking leads they weren't you know some schools at that time were sort of like the chorus factory you know they were book they were definitely pumping out working actors but they were the chorus mm-hmm. so i i love that michigan you know took these 10 boys 10 girls and they committed to them for those four years they said no matter what we're gonna try to create the best version of you we can in four years. You don't have to be like that person or that person. We're just going to do the best version of you. And uh, that was, you know, a uh, approach I could really get behind. So I was very grateful and excited uh, to get in. um, Now,
0: now moving forward, when you were in college, did you experience the same experiences as far as, um, you know, dealing with, oh, no, you can't a black girl doesn't do that or a black girl can't act that. Did you, did you experience those same experiences when you got to, to college?
1: No, uh, quite frankly. Um, I, I thought that, the, you know, those conversations came up and I certainly had my moments with professors where I was like, what? <laughs> um, and that's really a comment on them and their experience and their naivete, um, but not, but not across the board. I would say for the most part, you know I think that I, I was really celebrated I, I remember my my freshman year of co- of college you weren't supposed to perform um, and the theater department was doing a play at the time called uh, colored people's time and I was like well obviously I need to be in this play you know like they they you know, there was only so many black people spread between the musical theater department, which I was in, and the theater department. And I was like, they need all hands on deck and I'm not gonna not be in this play. Right. And so, you know, just kind of took it on the chin. They were like, you can't really, but they let me. And, um, and uh, you know, that was um, with uh, um, Angie, uh, Angie Lewis, uh, who's in Snowfall okay. and Dominique Morisot uh who is a prolific um playwright um just did ain't too proud on broadway Mm -hmm. um the story the temptations uh so we were all just young sort of budding performers at that time and at michigan together so you Um, were
0: in the same same program
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: nice
1: yeah so that was really uh so fun to be with them and you know, and then I, you know, had the opportunity. Like, I was just a few credits shy of getting like my study and um, um, my my um, minor in um, Black Theater Studies, mm. and um, so there's a lot more opportunities. And then within the musical theater department, I really thought they kind of they, they t- for the most part, I'd say they they sh- they didn't consider it too much. I mean, I had leads all throughout, and they kind of did, you know at that time, what they were calling colorblind casting, where it was like, you know, who, whoever's your dad, whoever's your mom, like, it was just kind of a free-for-all um, mm. kind of a thing. And then they would do plays that were, you know, totally um, dependent on the race as well. So there was a good balance, I thought, um, there when they were dealing with it and when they were kind of ignoring it.
0: So during this, during this period in your life now, because here, here you are now, you're like, you know, 20 years old, you know, going to 21, still focused, were there ever any moments where there were like certain distractions in your life that outside of the acting, performing, so to speak, to where it could have went another way? as well, because you you come across as a woman that was so determined and driven at such an early age. I know we all have certain moments in our life that it could have easily been steered another way that we weren't expecting it to. So in that period in your life, was there, you know, things outside of the acting and performing that could have steered you another way?
1: I was, I was pretty, tunnel vision skip like for the most part I would say what I found and I don't even want to say distracting but I want to say diverted my attention and and not in a bad way when I got to Michigan I was all of a sudden exposed to a full-blown vibrant uh, black community Mm. which I wanted to totally immerse myself in and did Mm. and And also, I come from a family of activists. You know, my mother is a fierce social justice warrior and has dedicated her life to people living below the poverty line in Michigan. And both my mother and father have both received humanitarian awards. So I have that sort of activist um, bug, you know, that gene in me. And um, I remember my freshman year at Michigan being very... Um, bothered and I, I, don't, I hate to say distracted because it's not, but I was just really uh, magnetized towards the, what was happening politically on campus, mm. and that uh, that put me involved with the um, BSU um, and also like the Students of Color Coalition, like all these different things where I was just like immersed in political protests. I ended up spending, oh God. Uh, I'm going to botch the number now because I haven't thought about it in so long, but something like 39 days or something um, locked in the bell tower of the University of the Union to protest these secret societies. Um, and, you you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And like Al Sharpton came, you know, I mean, it, it was a big deal because, you know, these secret societies that were taking university money and had revamped the top floors of the, the union and done all sorts of, I mean, crazy, super racist stuff that happens in secret societies and were giving themselves all these wild names like Keep White Face Good Johnson and, you know, and, and had mural, I mean, I can't even, don't, don't yeah. get me started on it. I mean, but I, Found myself uh, sleeping in this tower, then trying to go to like acting class in the day, and I'm bringing my pillow and just like being like, you're all lucky I'm here. I'm doing important work elsewhere, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> um, trying to really ostracize the teachers. But um, I, and that at that, I remember the head of the department at Michigan brought me in and was like, I do not want to diminish what you care about in the world. But what I wanna tell you is that I picked you to come here for a reason. And I want you to not lose sight of that reason and know that we are focused on you. So we hope that you're focused on us as well. And um, I couldn't fully hear that conversation in the moment because I was so riled up about the politics on campus. Um, But in hindsight, I really appreciated that. I appreciated an adult that I really respected um, just reminding me that they believed in me, and they, they that they believed in my passions and for um, my love of the arts, and that helped me to kind of find a better balance of my awareness and my work.
0: And, and what's so uh, what's interesting, and what I'm I'm feeling um, in my spirit to say right now is that those. Those situations, and this is why I asked that question, is what instills in us at that period in our life to where where you are in your life as an actress, when certain roles come about, you can kind of feed into that, go back into that uh, drawer of life and pull that out of you to to now lay it on the line in this particular role that you're doing. You know, And I really feel like it's gonna be a role that you'll have that would be like a political kind of role, to where you'll be able to tap back into that person. You know what I'm saying? In your in your early, your late teens, early twenties, to really dive into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I From feel. Your lips to
1: God's ears. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Though you're, you can you can't have too many experiences to draw on. You know what I mean? It's so good. Anytime anybody's like, I wish I hadn't experienced it. It's like it's making you better after. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, now, coming out of college, you graduated, finished school, went through that experience of, of college. Now what happens?
1: Uh, so, um- Uh, not dissimilarly from my hometown experience. When I got to about my junior year, I'd kind of exhausted everything that I could do at Michigan. I'd already been a lead, a lead in all the plays and taking all the classes. I was ahead of the game coming from Interlochen. So uh, I went away and I studied in London for um, a semester. And that was great because it helped me kind of figure out how I am left to my own devices without an adult saying, you need this handed in on this day and this handed in on this day and make sure you know this song and do the, uh, it was just the the teachers in London were very much like, we know we're good. We're not going to make you show up. If you show up, we'll show up. But if you don't, that's okay too. So it really motivated me to be like, I'm showing up. I'm yes, I'm ready. Call on me. I'm ready to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, Arguably one of the most, you know, impactful experiences to how I function as an adult actor.
0: Mm, uh, nice, nice, nice.
1: And so then I came back, did my senior year, um, which was great. Lead in the fall show, lead in the, um, you know, spring show. Graduated, and when we bachelor, graduated,
0: so you got a bachelor's in? I got a
1: BFA, Bachelor of Fine Arts. Okay. Bachelor of Fine Arts from Michigan. Yeah. Like- And uh, Michigan has a program where they take their 20 graduates and we do a showcase in New York and they invite casting directors and agents to this half an hour uh, performance that we give. And it's I I honestly feel so I I hurt for programs that don't do this because it gives you such a leg up.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So when I got to New York, the first thing that I did was spend, you know, two days performing for all these casting directors and agents. Wow! From that point on, they give you a little packet and they say, here are the agents that want to meet with you.
0: Wow, um, that's so and that was, cool.
1: Yeah, it's so nice. It's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I would have done. You know, and, and by the way, I, sh- I, I missed a major chapter in this story, which is that from the time I was a sophomore in college all the way through my senior year, I would spend my summers doing summer stock. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll start. that was an education for, you know, Broadway work because you would do a different show every 10 days and you were learning the full broad Broadway choreography and singing, all, all the stuff. So, uh, and, that, and, and that got me my equity card. So that got me into the union. So when I moved to New York, I already was in the actor's union. Wow. And, and my school was setting me up to get an agent. So it was just like, I was, you know, nonstop you know, to, to, and hungry, hungry, hungry to-, to
0: Obviously die. hungry, very hungry. Hungry, very hungry, focused, very, very hungry. determined, driven at such an early age. That is so, <laughs> that is, that is so dope and crazy at the same time.
1: <laughs> they're out there. I mean, I'm not unique, you know, I'm sorry, I guess I'm special, but not unique. I mean, there. I know those kids, they're, they're serious. I mean, I'm a, they're. <sighs> now, you know, they're...
0: now, now, okay. So you finish college.
1: You Finish college, get my agent. So I go, I have like 11 different agents I meet with. I from that
0: packet, them. from that packet.
1: Yep, from that packet, they say, here's all the people that want to meet with you. I meet with them, pick an agent, and I just start working. Start working, start working, start working.
0: Now, where were, now, where were you during this period? Uh, like, what like what city? Where were you? New York. You were in New York. I was in New
1: York, yeah. So I moved to New York right away and just started um, auditioning nonstop.
0: Got an agent. And, what was yep. the first job now now when you're looking for an agent was this still for theater for broadway so to speak yeah Yeah, they call
1: it your legit agent so they do legit is like tv film and theater but primarily in new york with those agencies it's theater okay um they will sprinkle in a random like oh you have a soap opera audition you know something really rare to get a television audition um it just wasn't even what they were thinking about me for. It's not how I came in. So uh, yeah, did theater. So the, fir- I mean, I didn't, I was doing little things, Skip. I mean, I, the first like professional job, I think if I remember that I booked was a production of an old, old, old black musical called Cabin in the Sky. Mm. I think there, I believe there's a film version of it too. It uh, doesn't hold up well from the twenties, if you can imagine. Okay. Um, you know, and but uh, but I was happy to do anything. Yeah. I literally would have done anything to just keep performing. So I'm you know so grateful for that. And I was technically considered off Broadway, which was nice. Um, and then uh, just little little bigger things, little bigger things. And I, I mostly actually was out of New York. I was doing. I went down to like the Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., uh, where Lincoln was shot, and did a play there for four months. Was in the Berkshires, you know, was in North Carolina doing ragtime. I was just kind of like hopping all around, all around, all around, until for like uh, a year and a half. circuit kind of thing. Yeah, um, a, a, a little, a little bit uh, uh, up above the Chitlin circuit, but definitely it was like the. It's called the like the regional theater circuit. So these are big houses. there, you know a few thousand people. Yeah. Um, and their uh, their equity performances. So you're their union. There's a there's a um, you know you're getting your insurance and you
0: came in, so you came in the game union unionized <laughs> from the jump.
1: Yes, yes. I was fortunate, fortunate, and bless, bless, I didn't have to do bless, like a bus bless. and truck tour of Annie or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I made it, but uh, but still little, a little but, but still theaters. You know, not Broadway. Yeah, and um. So that finally found me two years later in a production of a Shakespeare play called Two Gentlemen of Verona, but it was the rock musical version. The, state, the same guy that wrote Hair wrote it. Mm, um, and so it was a crazy play. I was in the chorus at the time. So and Yep. just literally, I'll send you some rich pictures of me just dancing in the chorus and the lead girl the night before opening sang so hard she hemorrhaged her vocal cords wow she couldn't phonate at all Mm. so I remember I had gone to my dinner break took a nap and when I woke up I had all these messages and it was the director saying like come come to theater come to theater and she's like I need you to do the lead part Wow! just read it and I was like and at that point, you know, I this is what, wasn't a play skip, but we had understudies. So I wasn't like clocking this woman at all. I mean, I was doing my part and you know, yeah, not paying attention the rest of the time. And so, but I didn't have any time to get nervous. And this was the blessing because we mm. had to do it. Mm. We had to do it. So I took the script and um did it. I just walked her, I mean, the audience came and I had the script in a hand and I did my best. And, and that girl never did end up coming back to, she actually graduated from Michigan as well. She was a wonderful actress. Um, she just needed to heal. So I ended up taking over the lead for the entire run of the show. And-
0: oh, So I'm curious. So you took yeah. a nap to get these messages um, <laughs> saying, come to the studio, come to the, come to the theater yeah 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 and so you're studying the script well right before you're about to go back out that same day or
1: yeah it was one day so they cancelled the show that night and then uh, the, ne- the next morning I went in and they said let's walk it let's walk it one time and she said you know you know break a leg good luck right, wow. And so, um, but it was the the best education because you didn't have time to be like, oh my God, can I do it? It's like, well, you're doing it, you're doing it. Right. You know, and um, and when you're in the theater, you have Mondays are your weekend. You get one day off a week and it's Monday. Mm. So every single Monday I would take the train from, uh, I was in, uh, oh, um, I was in Baltimore at the time. That's where this play was happening. Baltimore Center stage. So I took the train from Baltimore back to New York and I would do whatever auditions I could do on a Monday. And one Monday I went in and I had like an audition for some play, uh, some play in the summer, summer stock play and an audition for Barbershop. Mm. And at the time I hadn't seen the movies and I was like, Oh crap, I was like, Do oh, I have time to watch the movie and do this audition? It's I only have Monday. I'm like, oh no, what am I
0: gonna do? Now, and t- I was like, oh, This is the TV show, the TV show, Barbershop.
1: This is the TV version of the film that the, the films that Cedric and Eve and uh, the Ice Cube Cube Vision had put put out. So they were making a showtime version of it and I had only really seen the trailer Mm -hmm. and the posters, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh crap, (laughs) what am I gonna do? And I was like, just do your best. So went and did the audition, Uh, didn't think much of it. You know, I keep an audition lock. I've got a log of every single audition I've ever done in my life. And so I just, was. this is what I wore, this is who I saw, this is what they said, this is how many. So. how much money I spent on my metro fare, whatever. And um, two weeks later, this it was, it was a long time actually in the land of TV. My agents called and said, um, you have a, a callback. The, the director is going to come meet you. And I was like, what? It was John Ridley. Mm, okay. um, and uh, so I was so excited. And I got in there and met with John. And John was like, I was just so engaged and lovely, and was just really like, I want you. And he's like, read, read Terry, read the Eve role, and then also read the wife. He's like, I just want you somewhere in here. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But I'd always been auditioning for Terry. Mm. Um, And then went back again. I mean, it was always a Monday. It was always had to work on a Monday. Right. So I was going back and doing the lead of this play. And then the about next Monday came- a
0: Period. About how long of a period were you consistently doing that? Over the
1: course of, over the course of, so I was in Baltimore for over the course of three months, but I was doing this, the barbershop process took about a month, yeah. about a month total. From my first audition to my last audition, like I guess in February starting out. And then all you know, so did the, you know, read with John Ridley a couple weeks later. Then a week after that, they said, can you come to LA for a screen test? And I was like, oh my God. Like at this point, I hadn't audition for television at all. I had done like an okay. acting for the camera course at yeah. Michigan and that yeah. was it. Yeah. So I was just like, this is crazy. And I had this rule skip at the time where I was like, I just want to do one new thing a year, period. I don't care what it is. So when I got the screen test, I was like, that's my one thing. I did my one thing. Done, you know, oh, so great. So they flew me to LA on a Monday. Wow. I did my audition and um, I was so, so nervous. Came, came back and they now, said- when, "You Now know,
0: when you went there, now when you went there, yeah. what was that experience like? Cause this was your first time in LA?
1: Uh, I had been out, I have some family out here. I'd been here when I was 12 maybe, right. and, uh, but I never-
0: Came out here for work.
1: No, my God. And my, you know, I was with my grandma and my aunts deep in South Central. And we, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think I saw the Hollywood sign uh, and that's it. You know, like passing by, you know, we didn't, I, I never, I didn't have any awareness or sense of the city whatsoever. And,
0: so Erica, and flying out, so flying out, coming out here for it. Like, oh. How was, how, how, how are you feeling in that? Cause right now what you're, what you're telling me, this is that moment right here. So how did you right. feel and where you were in your life, in your spirit, in your, with your emotions
1: and what I was, was going on? I was, I mean, I was so, I can't, I can't express to you the excitement. It's I was just so, it felt so, divine at the time because i had was going through this really magical time in my career where i just kept booking work and um i was leaving jobs early to start other jobs and I felt so fortunate to the point that my agent was just was like, we, I mean, at some point, like, how can your number keep hitting? Like, this is this is actually crazy." So the and agent thought, was,
0: was tripping too. The agent was like, "Wow." Oh,
1: the agent was like, "What is going on? Like, this is crazy." So when I got the screen test, we just all were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like somehow, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the train. I'm on it now. And um, when I got here, you know, I actually. Correction: They after my Sunday night show, they put me on a red eye to LA, so I would land Monday morning. You
0: like that? And man, they put I'm, me up I at the Westwood. I, I feel important. I I'm,
1: feel I'm oh, red Oh, I know. You know, know, they're giving you that little baby per diem check. Nobody can speak to me. I was like, oh, you know, this yeah. is the best. And, um, and I remember there's a lot of discussion about my hair at the time. You know, it was like, is it going to be curly? Is it going to be straight? You know, all that stuff that I was not used to in New York and I stayed at the W in the Westwood in, in Westwood and I was I couldn't sleep. I was just sick. I was so nervous. What? And they walked me over to Viacom. I did my audition. Robbie Reed, what? uh casting director, amazing. Uh, I mean I was signing and I remember she walked up and she goes, nice tape. And I was like, Huh, you know, <laughs> and did the audition. Left, and I just, I remember I was just like, it's gonna be okay, like whatever happens you, I wrote myself a little note and I was like, whatever happens, you did one thing new, they liked you, you met the director, like all new things, all positive things. So whether you get it or not, it doesn't matter. Then finally they call and they say, it's another week and they say, you have a, they wanna give you a test deal. They wanna like, you know, do your final audition where you sign the contracts, you do all that stuff, which I'd never done before. Like I mean this was new. Right. And flew me out. But but they couldn't fly me out on a Monday. They wanted me to fly out on a Tuesday or something I said I can't do it. And they were like, that's when they were pulling the showtime card like, oh well you're gonna lose this part then. Wow. You know? And I called the casting director. And I said, you tell them to wait for me. You tell them to, okay, wait for me because I have now got on trains, planes, automobiles. <laughs> right, okay, all the things to make this work. And if they want me, they will wait for me. Cause it, it was like, it was, the sun. it was before Easter and she called them and she made them wait for me. Ooh. And I was so grateful to her. It was a casting director out of New York named Pat McCorkle and She said, they're going to wait for you. So I was closing night of the show in um, Baltimore. I closed the show, immediately like took a bow, got my suitcases, went directly to a car, got on a plane, flew to LA, Monday morning, went back in for my final test and uh, did it. I remember I went gone to the ladies room after my audition and as I walked out, I saw some of the execs walking out and my headshot was on top. And I was like, oh, please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, wow. And then my agent called me, and he goes, "You you need to get back to New York right away. I need you to audition for you know whatever, <laughs> website what <laughs> story, and you know whatever, Al- Albany or something." Like, and yeah, I'm, like, pop, oh, okay. I'm like,
0: oh okay, man, my mind is on this right here. I'm trying right, to right.
1: This. Like, and he, he's saying all these things, and I'm like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll, I'll get right back. And he goes, or I mean. You could stay there, I guess, because you just booked the lead of a TV show, and I was like, what? you know, I mean, oh, I wow, wow, that's dope. You date one of the happiest moments of my like, you can't. It was like a Cinderella like mind blown thing where I'm going, I'm going from the chorus of a play in Baltimore to the lead of a Showtime series in Los Angeles. I mean, it my, I was like overload. Wow, wow, so and. Yeah. From
0: from, okay. So now you have now you got this role. It's everything is great. Was the show still going on during the week, or were that was that over now?
1: I no, it was done. I closed the show. Like for, so, that was the, that was the funniest part because I kept booking, 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 and so it was so crazy that I closed the show on Sunday, book barbershop on Monday.
0: Wow. So once you got that, once you booked it, did you go come back to the East Coast, or did you just stay?
1: Wow. No, I so I had. They said to me that I had two weeks to move to Los Angeles.
0: To move.
1: To move. Wow. So I came back to. uh to North, you Just pick up. Move where you are and move. Yes, because it wasn't like a normal pilot skip. It was it was showtime. So it was already picked up. Mm. So it was already happening. So I went back. And I certainly was living off of a theater's a theater's wage, so there's no way that I was gonna keep my apartment. I couldn't do both. So I gave up my apartment um, and moved out here at a moment's notice. They put me up back at the hotel for about a month so I could get my sea legs. Wow. Um, but you'll love this as a hair person. I, I had kind of the send you picture, I had like kind of long Mariah Carey curl hair that I wore every day. I always wore my hair curly, my natural curls every day. And there was a hair stylist at the time, a guy named Leonard Drake, who unfortunately recently passed away, but Leonard was a character and wonderful in the business. And Leonard looked at me and he goes, you look like apple pie. And I'm gonna cut it all off. And I was like, okay. Like I had no. I still don't have any attachment to my hair. I really feel like, whatever you want to do to transform for the role, I'm fine with. And so they ended up shaving it, dyeing it, uh, you know, bleaching it blonde, doing that sort of Mary J. Blige, uh, 2002, 2003 at the time, cut, uh, asymmetrical. And I was like, dope. Like let's go. Let's
0: mm. go. So how was it for you walking on set that first day, here we go, hit, you know, at lights, camera, action. What was that feeling like for you? Because now you're going from not being just on a stage, but in, in front of a camera now where it's cut, do that part again, let's hit it from this angle, blah, blah, blah. What was that that for you to constantly going over the lines? And you know what I mean? Like that whole process, what was that like?
1: Um, definitely a learning curve. I mean, I was learning on the celluloid in real time. Like you, when you watch Barbershop, you're seeing me learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what I love and kind of cringe about that time is I was so, I was so happy and I was so excited. And I was so, I was just like a ball of positivity and <laughs> um, I don't know. I would hate to go back and kind of like squ- dampen that down. Uh, but so, sometimes- like, give
0: me an example. Like, give me an example of. Um,
1: like I remember meeting um Omar Gooding at our table read, I think, and I was like, "Isn't this so exciting?" You know, like definitely like. <laughs> I'm just like, so, I, mean, but I you mean, I'm coming off of this thing where I was like, I'm booking, I'm booking, and booking. Like the world truly in real time felt like my oyster, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah. it's all really happening. You guys, like I was taking a subway. Now somebody's driving me around in a tiny golf cart. Can the world get any better? Right,
0: you know?
1: right, right, right. And, uh, and I remember Omar just being like, Okay, he's like, just wait, something will go wrong. And I was like, oh my God, oh my goodness, such a stick of right. the mud. Why would he say something's gonna go wrong? Now, as we all know, you know as well, being yeah, things, a
0: bit, things can go wrong. Things and you know, wrong. I think, you know, him saying that, and that's why that stuck, is the fact that, you know, in life we need that balance. That even though, I think that was really a moment, and I think because of where you were in your life, at such a, at, you know, being that young, um, you were expressing that of what was occurring to you for you, which in reality, that was most that that was a point for you to really engulf that in and kind of be within yourself of that vibe, of that brightness versus speaking it loud because it's also about you don't know what the next person that's there and what it is that they're on and they can not saying that he did but you just never know who you come in contact with that can dampen your light. So it's more so of keeping that in. That's why you say if you could do it again in hindsight, you would have kind of toned it down, you know? Yeah,
1: or just like, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't want to like tell myself to not experience those joys, but I might say to... Observe more and listen a bit better. Um, yeah. Because yeah, like I mean, Omar's been in this business forever and a day. Right. and His experience is extremely valuable and extremely. Ex- you know, he's he's so exper- he's so experienced, you know. And yes. um, so that was valuable to me. And uh, but in the same way, I wish I could go back and really bottle that joy, and mm. that that energy. Mm. Um, I wish that I had had an awareness of what the standard of living should be like in like a makeup trailer or a hair trailer, what that temperature should be, because I think there was a lot, there was some things that were happening around me that were probably not very PC or healthy. Mm. And I just didn't know. Mm. I just sort of was like, is this okay? I guess it's okay. You know?
0: Learning, you were learning.
1: I was really learning and um, and you know if I you know, if I knew then what I knew now I'd stand up for myself a little bit better and um, so,
0: so how long is how long was this was the shooting of that show going on? And
1: um, so that was a hard it was a hard shoot actually for me um, it was from March to. Um, August, I'd say. We okay. did 10 episodes from March to August. Wow. And um, then we premiered, we premiered in tandem with Meads on Showtime. Meads was, it was their first season and our first season. Okay. Um, and, but we only lasted a season. It was kind of right around the writer's strike off, time.
0: Well, first, first off. Oh, sorry. When it premiered, and you were actually seeing yourself on, TV. Oh. What did that feel like?
1: Oh, I had I hadn't seen any footage of it at all, Skip. And um, we went to the premiere. We had the premiere at Paramount, a huge, huge premiere. Mm. Um and Mary Louise Parker sat in front of me. I was kind of sandwiched between, and by the way, my agent, who was like, what the hell? I told my agent, I was like, I think I need to like find an LA agent. And my agent moved from New York to LA to be like, me.
0: I'm coming.
1: <laughs> yep. He was like, this woman keeps booking work. I'm gonna open an LA agency, which he did.
0: Right, so and... you're changing lives. <laughs>
1: no, but I guess for a moment I was anyway. Um, you no, know,
0: you, you, you were changing lives. You, you know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. in that moment in time, that was, that was a part of your mission, and you Yeah, did. we were
1: all doing it. And, you know, I feel like I, we were all kind of drinking that same, like, crazy juice at the time. The like mission nice. juice. Yeah. yeah.
0: So how um, did you feel so, when you saw yourself up there?
1: Oh, I was, I have never been so nervous in my life. I was flop sweat. I was sweating. I was so nervous because, you know, like I said, yeah. I'm learning as I do it, yeah. so I don't have the luxury of going like studying myself and and you know in and in, in, you know in in tv you don't we did rehearse a little bit on barbershop as i remember but it's not like theater you
0: know yeah, yeah.
1: so it's was, there
0: it's locked in and there so whatever you're watching that and you're like damn maybe i could have said that different oh damn like why does, my, yes. why, does my, why does my forehead look like that? Why does
1: my forehead look like that? I remember John Ridley, I'm sure he was surely just messing with me. He said to me, he was like, he's like, your mouth is open. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, your mouth just like stays open. And I was like, I, I, I'm sure he was just trying to give me a complex, which was not nice. He was you know, saying was just, that about on camera? Yeah. He was like, why is your mouth open? And I was like, I have no idea. I'm just listening. You know, I was probably just listening to someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A natural reflex.
1: Yeah, it, and you're just, I was just being, but he was like, your mouth is, oh, it's mouth is doing something. And I was like, oh, you know, all the things that you don't think about in yeah. theater when you're yeah. just being. Right. You know, and then the camera's right here. Uh, so, okay. yeah. oh, so when I saw myself, I was so nervous. You know, the, the show was very broad and big. Yeah. Um, But I, I, I'd i gotten some really nice reviews in the New York Times and the LA Times. and like people mad and stuff like that. So I was crossing my fingers that it was good. And I remember the second that the show ended, Mary Louise Parker was in front of me, turned around and she goes, you're so funny, you're gonna be a big star. Mm-hmm. And I was like, kill me now, I'm done. You know, like, <laughs> that's that it. Is- But I was super nervous, super, you know, that's, super that's why I
0: think that's why I, I've heard that a lot of actors, actresses, when they when they film something, they don't like to watch themselves on the oh. show.
1: When, well, I'll tell you this. We we went first. So Barbershop premiered first at uh, on that night. Mary Louise Parker said that to me. They started to play Weeds. She got up and left. Mm. So she didn't stay for her stuff. Right. Um, it's so, one of yeah, things. I don't...
0: It's like once it's locked and loaded, it's like I don't even want to see it. I don't want to... Yeah,
1: people ask me all the time, like, did you watch Seal Team this week? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't... See
0: it. Just, you just kind of... because Because, no. of the way, because you're living it.
1: You're living it. I'm like, I already lived it,
0: you know. It's It's new for you, but it's not new for me. I'm living it.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? So after, so the show, you know, and of course we know um, how things can be in Hollywood. You know, it can, you know, it can can air and you can have all these high expectations. And then next thing you know, it's pulled. And now it's like, now it's this feeling of, you know, am I good enough? And what, you know, what's going on? And, you know, what's... I remember when, um, whatchamacallit, when I, because uh, Blair Underwood introduced me to the industry. And I oh, remember yeah. I me working on set, cutting his hair. And uh, they had filmed like three, three. Uh, they filmed all 10 episodes. Um, I remember just being there and experiencing all that. And they aired four of the episodes. And I remember my mom, this was on a Thursday, when they, I think they would air the episode, my mom called me. Saturday morning I was still asleep She called me and left a message and she said "Uh, I heard they cancelled Ironside Uh. And I was like I heard the message I'm like huh So I text the lady who I was in conjunction With uh, who orchestrates me Directs me on where it is I need to go that Monday and so I text her her And I'm like yeah so I'm hearing The show got cancelled She's like yeah I said so that means I'm not coming in on Monday She said that means no one's coming in on Monday And I was like what And I called Blair and I said, B, what's going on, man? And he was like, Yeah, man. And that's why he said to me, he said, That's why you always in this industry and just in general, maintain seven revenue streams. That way, if one stops, you still have others that are still going. And yeah, stuck with me. Blair's good about that. That that stuck with me to this day of that thought. So for you in that moment when it ended, now what?
1: Sheer terror. I mean, I and, and you know, this this was the sure thing. Terror, huh? <laughs> well you know I kept auditioning yeah. because I was yeah. in that mindset yeah. and during the time when they were trying to figure out if we were going to come back for a second season I auditioned for uh, the uh, this play this musical called The Pajama Game on Broadway.
0: Okay, getting and, back back getting back into that.
1: Yeah, I was well, I was just was like uh, you know from in my experience jobs ended. Right. Jobs ended in a few months. So I was like, okay, let's let's keep going. So my agent called, and they made me an offer for it was like the out of town tryout of it. it. wasn't the It was like the pre like out of town version of it before it went to Broadway. And and he said, this is like a glorified chorus role, like a featured chorus role. And I was like, uh huh. And he said, you can't be a lead in a TV show and be a featured chorus role on Broadway. You can't do it. So he's like, you need to say no, and I was like, so I turned down this job, which is, as you know, the only thing that I ever wanted. Is I've spent all these years being like, I just want to get to Broadway, and uh, turn it down. What was
0: the reason for that, though?
1: Well, I think it was, it was, it was. I don't know if it was good advice or not on my agent's part, honestly. I, I guess it was because it's the way it turned out. Um, but he, I think he just was concerned with what it looked like. Like, can you be the lead of a TV show and then be dancing in the chorus with like one little, with a few lines here or there? Like, does it, like, it, like it's at some point in your career you have to say, I'm, I'm no longer gonna do background. I'm no longer gonna do a co-star. Gotcha. Okay, I'm only gonna do, like you just keep incrementally going up. So he's like, now that you've done this and your face is on a billboard in Times Square, I have a hard time with you doing this. Right. And. I because
0: not all money is good money.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I mean I guess. I don't know if I when the, listen, when we finally got word that the show got canceled, I was like, why didn't I take that damn job? I would have you know, I just wanted to work so badly. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 um he was just like, you know, I think we use we use, we try to use barbershop as leverage mm-hmm. to continue
0: as you forward should. and
1: upward. As you should,
0: as you should have. Th- yes. that, wasn't, that wasn't a wrong thing. It's hard
1: place. though. I was such a workhorse, I just wanted to work. I don't really think I, I don't really care at the time. I was like, I'm gonna meet new wonderful people and learn something no matter what environment I'm in. So I didn't, I had to switch my mindset to think about things in that LA way where you're like, what does this look like? Well,
0: you know, I think in 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 sport, like also with what it is that I do, it's like okay, yeah. you know, if I'm working on you know SEAL Team, you know, what I'm saying as 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 a hairstylist, right? Do I want to go work on you know, uh, Gangster Boy on you know, you know what I mean? Some, some <laughs> you know non union show called Gangster Boy that's filmed in my homeboys filming, you know what I mean? Like, or do yeah. I say, eh, I mean, I could send somebody else your way that may want to do it. Or do I want to continuously, you know what I mean? So it's one of those I do. I could do it. I mean, I could, because it's like, hey, I just want to work. But at the same time, you have to say, what am I worth? I mean, not, not worth, but what am I worth? As far yeah. as what, what, what do I feel the steps I want to go? And I think that for you, Doing Not saying that you shouldn't have taken that role as far as that, because you wanted to work. As performers, we just wanna, that's like me producing music. It's like, okay, I can produce yeah. for this person. I can also, but so it's like, it depends on what it is you wanna do. The life, life is about decisions. It's like, whether they're good or bad, like you're still living your life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. so either way. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So,
0: so, so going through that, going through that moment of, okay, that got canceled. You didn't take that. You're going through sheer terror. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You guys, it's, a, it's a horror movie happening <laughs> within your mind. You know what I mean? You're, you're out here now in LA. It's like, okay, well, damn, what am I going to do? Yeah, when- and
1: you I'm know, about- LA switches on a dime. Like at one point, you know, you're the lead of a TV show and everyone's like, come here, come there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Come to this premiere. We'll dress you, blah, blah. And then the second your show gets canceled and they're like, Tony, who? I'm, I'm not familiar, I'm sorry with him. Um, and that was, that was a shock. It was a shock to me. Um, es- high, coming, from, Especially coming from such an extreme high that you know I was on, I was like, what?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it humbled you, it, hum- it humbled you, it, it balanced you? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've always moved through space with, a, uh, with humility, but it definitely brought me down to say like this, these are building blocks, but they're not cornerstones, you know. So they can come tumbling down. Um, so yeah, then I just had to get on get on my game face and say, okay, all right, now we navigate L. A. Yeah, which is so different than New York. I mean, yeah. you in New York, you really are. You can be proactive. You can I can go park it at Ripley Greer and crash an audition if I really want to. Um and in LA, everything's happening behind closed doors. You need a security pass to get onto the lot to to let somebody know you're coming. Like there's no like breaking into an audition. You know what I mean? There's no you're all of a sudden I had a publicist, a manager, an agent, and I would just sit around waiting for someone to call me, Mm. which was crazy making from such a
0: out here. Out here
1: out here, you know, I needed somebody to give me the green light as opposed to just being really like, in New York, you just trudge around and you're really- Proactive. Yeah, you're just so, you're in it. You're just so proactive. Um, You go, you can go to, you know, you know, equity, actors' equity and middle of Times Square and just be around and see what's happening. You get it, get it. So, get so it what peppered.
0: was it, because I remember you had mentioned that you were in the, twi- uh, what was it, the Twilight? Or- yeah, uh-huh. Okay, so what was the next big breaking moment? Because here we are, you're you <laughs> going through all this other stuff, you're done, well, whatever. Now, what was the next moment in time where it was all like, what?
1: what um, the- well, yeah, 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 go through all this stuff. I mean, from Barbershop, one of the barbershop writers, this woman Stacey Littlejohn, ended up writing on all of us. Okay. Um, that Will Smith, uh, Jada Pinkett uh, series. That was uh, Dwayne Martin, Lisa uh, Lisa Ray, um, and yeah, Tony yeah, Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they. So she brought me on as a recurring part on that okay. show. So for what that. What
0: was that on? I remember that show.
1: That okay. So it started out on UPN. And then they moved over to CW, and CW was brand new. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, before they before CW figured it out. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I went over to that show for a minute. And then for a while, I felt like I was like the closer. I would join shows, and then they would always end. You know, yeah. like I would join that show, it was its last season. Went on to another show that was its last season, you know, kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but did a lot of little guest stars. I did plays. I did like the story of Lena Horn mm. uh, play at Pasadena Playhouse and would book pilots. Pilots wouldn't go. Like, I booked a pilot almost every year. It would just be a matter of if it went or not. Mm. And then, um, but the reason that Twilight happened, Skip, was really because of Dream Girls. Mm, my first sure. film that I ever auditioned for was Dream Girls.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. So, the, the movie Dream Girls.
1: Yes, the movie okay. Dream Girls. How and, did come about? And, and so, uh, literally, just my new agent here, my agent that moved here was just like, I got an audition for Dream Girls. Now, for a musical theater major, this is. Yeah. I'll never recover, right? Yeah. So, I was like, oh my God. Met the casting director, did my audition, get a call back, another audition. Finally, they say that the role that I'm auditioning for is gonna to go to Anika Nani-Rose. And Anika's coming off of uh, a Tony award, also I was like, she's incredible. And I was like, I get it, I get it. And so then the casting director asks if I can do uh some voices for the storyboards with like Yvette Nicole Brown so Yvette Nicole Brown and I did all the voices for the storyboards if you look on the DVD it's Yvette and I and this other actor Jocko Sims doing all these voices reading the storyboards and then from there I get another call from the casting director and she says will you come do the screen tests for the Effie auditions play do do Dina play Beyonce's role for the screen test and I was like for the move yeah. Yeah, for the movie. They're, they're, just, they're still trying to find the movie yeah. actors. And I said, yeah, so i go and get all dolled up, full hair, makeup, and act against all the actresses, including Jennifer Hudson, auditioning to play Effie. And- um,
0: that, And this I mean, is just a dope place to be in life too. It's
1: just, you just want to be in the room where it happened, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, And if like Jill Scott, I mean like, Wow, crazy shoe throwing moments where you're like, These, "This is incredible!" Yeah. So, and I, my whole goal was, I was like, "I just want to do such a good job. I want uh, Bill Condon, who's the director, mm-hmm. to see me acting. This is such a good opportunity. I'm like, they're filming me. I'm on camera with them. So." From that, I get another call from the same guest director and she's like, Bill Condon wants to know if you'll do a cameo in the movie. And I was like, I would literally do anything in this movie. I will walk, be in the background, walk past once, hand somebody a glass of water. <laughs> and so they're like, they want to do you do a scene with you and Eddie Murphy um, in this song, Fake Your Way to the Top. It's a tiny little like, you know, whatever, 30, 40 second dance piece uh, kind of program. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Blah, blah, Go blah, long, long long story, very, very short. We film a, it-
0: a lesson, because you told me the story, but a lesson. Yes. Go ahead.
1: But a lesson, a lesson. We'll save that for the uncut version. Um, <laughs> and th- it gets cut. It gets yeah. cut, cut out of the movie. Yeah. And I learn this, I get invited to a screening and it's my birthday and I get invited to a screening and they say, come see the movie. And as I'm driving to the screening, I get a call that says, we cut your scene from the movie yesterday. And I just pull over on Sunset, my little Honda Civic, and just cry and cry Damn. and cry. Because I'd never been cut out of anything before. It didn't occur to me. I never. It was just. It was a, a learning moment. And and I was like, Am I still gonna go to this screening? And I was like, Yes, you are. So I got all dressed up and went to Paramount and sat there and kept, kept the, the whole time going. This is yep. where my scene should have been. This, where, you know, just. Yeah. But um, but whatever, you know. Yeah. Jennifer got an Oscar. The editor got an Oscar. The movie was way too long. And ultimately, Bill Condon, the director, said, I'm going to put that those scenes in the DVD, which he did. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so I can still see them and have access to them. That's 2006, mm-hmm. cut to 2010. And I get an audition for... Twilight. Mm. Same casting director as Dreamgirls, Debbie Mm. Zane.
0: Nice.
1: And I go in, I audition, you know, it's pretty minimal. It's all, you know, NDAs. We can't know what's going on, so I'm just auditioning with fake lines and stuff. And she calls and she's like, you're gonna be in Twilight Mm. as a vampire. Bill Condon's like, I owe you one. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Nice. It was a good one. So then I worked for Three, three four months of work and in, in between baton rouge and vancouver um filming twilight so you just never know how never it's not all connected i'm
0: saying the journey the journey the, the the experience of life is the journey yes Journey. the journey is the excitement of life right so can you so how can you knock the journey if even during the moments of when you're feeling down about that is part of the journey because if you if it was given all to you, you wouldn't be able to appreciate the journey. That's right. So I know you as far as sitting here right now, you appreciate your journey. I I I I I get that vibe from you every day. I see you on set like she appreciates where she is right now.
1: Oh gosh, you know Thank what I mean. You,
0: you appreciate where you are. Now let's get into Seal Team. Okay. How did you go into that? Because and I, and before you even get into this, I want I want you know actors out there, actresses out there that are hearing these stories and maybe going through those that down moment in life in their journey and feeling like man, you know, forget this, you know, and decide to go back home and work at a you know selling cell phones or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stay in there. How did you? How did this whole thing with SEAL Team come about?
1: Well, you know, you're talking about the journey and the actors that get into a lull and all that stuff. And I was certainly in a lull where I hadn't been working and I really started to doubt myself, uh, which happens when you don't get the cookies for a while, right, you think, oh man. And so I started sort of being like, is there like a hunchback of Notre Dame bump on my back and nobody's telling me like, what's happening? Like, if, if I, do, I have a lisp all of a sudden, like what am I doing wrong? And what I did to save myself, honestly, um, Skip, was I got back in class mm. because when I got back in class, I realized I was I would work so hard on things and um, and for nothing, right? For nothing. For the love of the work, period. Mm. Not for a job. I wasn't, you know, and it, it put me into a space where I was sharp, sharp, sharp again. Mm. And it put me into a space of watching other actors mm. and, you um, it and you know, I just think that every time class will save you, if you can always be for whatever you love, whatever you love, be a perpetual student, it will help you. And I realized through class, I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing, I've been doing this since I was five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so I was propelled in the, into that pilot season in 2017, and I was doing the you know, same situation. I'd done a random episode of CSI New York in like 2000 and I don't know what, seven or eight or something. And the writer on that then became the showrunner of NCIS New Orleans. Hmm. And he randomly offered me this part in NCIS New Orleans as a recurring role. And I was like, how do I know you? And I'm like, oh my God, this is years and years. And he's like, oh, I just, you know, I just like you, you know, yeah. and I'm like, oh my. Amazing man, Chris Silver. So I was doing those little things and then got an audition for SEAL Team. Mm. And it was pilot season, so I got an audition for a SEAL Team and also 20 other pilots. Mm. So I didn't, I honestly wasn't thinking too much on it. You're moving so fast, you're getting so many auditions. You kind of just have to be fast and sharp. And I did like SEAL Team because I didn't have a military background at all but I was invested in the characters and the story. So I knew that the writing was good mm. because I cared when I read it. Right. Um, and I was sort of like, who is this woman and what's, what's her story? So um, SEAL Team happened, I uh, auditioned once, then they called me back in like on super short notice, like, can you come back in an hour, um, you know, and read for the producers. And then I you know, booked it, it was really kind of painless.
0: And, and yeah. So, so so moving forward, you start shooting at by this point, you you know am you you got it, you, you have an understanding now. And you know, being there, I realize, you know what I'm saying, like they're on it. It's a moving, it's a moving going. It's not take it's not too long as far as like, okay, well, you know, you know, where it's fifty takes and this that no, it's,
1: no, no, it's you're, you're right. So we, kind we,
0: of, we, so you're kind of still acting from a theater impulse yes. and not really sticking to it that particular scene for so long. It's there. Um, so here you did the first, the whole season. Um, the episodes are airing. You're still kind of filming the episodes are airing. And you're like, okay, so, you know, they're going to, I'm pretty sure they're going to cut this. You know, it's probably going to be just one season. And What was it like for you when they said, we're coming back for a second season?
1: Uh, it was so wonderful it was the first time i'd experienced that now i've been in la now for 15 years and done many series regulars role regular roles and have never made it to a second season of anything ever so it was a real milestone and they made it very special this is pre-covid days so we i was filming a scene and they said oh can you come out to the front you know and When I went out there, all the producers, the executives, everyone had kind of ascended onto our stage to make an official announcement that we were getting picked up for season two. And so I have it actually on video, this euphoric moment where we're all like, oh, we can't, that you can't believe it, that it's it's happening. And um, I I think I was just filled with such gratitude that I, even after 15 years, and even longer in this business that I could still be surprised still experience that one new thing a year um, you know and continue to just learn you know and now get into a different gear shift because that, now I have the luxury of continuing to live this life of Lisa Davis um, you know that that's so that's such a gift you know nobody knows this woman better than me and now I get to do
0: 22, 44, you know. And that's why I wanna, I wanna, I wanna speak on that. Um, you know, in, in television, film, when something is put on camera, it's locked and loaded. It's there forever. Um, for you in this instance, in this, in on, on this show, not only is it a Great thing for it to come back for a second season, but come back for a third season. <laughs> come back for a fourth season. You know what I'm saying? And you know, most likely, come back for a fifth season. From your so, lips yeah. So, so in in those moments, you will forever be this woman. Um, the show has such a big following. I begin to realize that working on it myself, and I'm like, wow, it's a for real following. Um, right. The fact that it'll always be locked and loaded and, 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 and stuck on TV forever. You can be an 80 year old woman and you'll forever be this this age, this person at this time in your life forever. And I think that to me is such a dope experience. And for you, how does that feel for you, because this isn't one of those shows that it just kind of like, oh yeah, we did that, and, uh, next, and it gets swept under the rug. It'll forever be there because the military is something that's a universal thing. Something that's universal will yeah. never die. So for, yeah. for you to know that now, and being in that position when Barbershop, the, the, the television show happened, and seeing yourself on that screen, how was it for you now knowing that you are forever locked on screen in this show that will forever be how does that feel within as far as in you and getting coming this this far in life and in your career that has to be a fulfilling moment
1: it does it is fulfilling for sure it's a little bit of like you know disorienting I hope my hope and my wish and my prayer for this for is it that the show holds up um you know I think that as our show goes on and on I feel that the writers and the producers become more and more courageous in terms of telling the stories um, in real time about what's happening within our military. There's still so many things that we haven't tapped into, um, dealing with the LGBTQ veteran community, the sexual abuse the drug abuse but there's things that are uh, you know the racism within within the military there are things that um, are living breathing and changing within the military and I and um, I I love when we tap into those more sensitive topics because that's the stuff that's the real stuff that's not the storybook like you know, We go abroad and, you know, come back victorious every week. Like that's, um, the real stuff is about the people and the complexities and the diversity that make up these people and navigating the weirdness of our world within that. And I hope that when we look back in 50 years that we still respect the storytelling that we're doing about these humans. Yeah. so, I'm, and I'm excited. I mean, like, as you know, I, as it stands now, I am the only woman on the show and uh, only female series regular and having the honor and the responsibility to play the only woman and the only black woman um, <laughs> on this show to, to to have the responsibility to portray women of color in the military the and military. what all of that encompasses makes me very excited, makes me very proud and uh, is a beautiful motivator every day for me coming to work. And whatever frustrations I'm carrying in my personal life, I can say this is this does feel important. You
0: know? um, to kind of wrap things up, um, where do you see yourself and then, well, where do you want to see yourself in the next 10 years?
1: Um, in the next 10 years. Well, I mean, if... If what? 2031.
0: 2031.
1: Do we have to put a number on it? Uh, 2031. Oh, well, golly. Hey, listen, if, if SEAL team has a life, God bless it. God bless it if it's one of those shows that is like like a, like
0: a, uh Grey's Anatomy I believe.
1: Yeah Grey's yeah yeah NSVU you name it like just one of those ones. I mean we're we're a little bit probably closer to Grey's because we're we're um not we're serialized we're not episodic so you kind of need to watch the series. Yeah. Um that would be amazing. Um but I I would also love to continue to Find work that is uh, challenging and new. And um, I'm all about learning and, yeah, new learning and changing. You know, I want to, I would love to uh, find opportunities that allow me to be a bit more physical. You know, I've spent my whole life trying to tell stories with my body, Mm is either through movement, dance, live theater, and, um, so getting up behind the desk um, would be nice uh, in in terms of storytelling, um, be it in sci-fi or play or uh, you know what, what whatever what, whatever it is. I'm really I I I love being able to um, be really physical in in the work as well and do something that's just totally. Totally different, such a departure. I love transforming for roles. And so the uh, the opportunity to do something outside of the box and new always, always is appealing to me in my journey as a performer.
0: So um, for actors, actresses, those who wanna act, um, somebody that's li- watching this or listening to this in a small town in Wyoming, Yes. What or for actors and actresses that are going through that down moment of, of their career um or just their journey. What are some what is something of inspiration or inspirational advice that you would give them to keep them motivated and pushing forward in their passion?
1: I would say um well to all the young young ones that are kind of just starting out in this uh in their love of the entertainment world. I would try to encourage them to 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 make this a study. I think right now we're living in a time of that 15 minutes Instagram kind of mic um, fame, mic that is so uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. contagious and hard to resist at times. And if you really, truly in your heart are interested in the longevity of a career, I would just encourage you to study it, to make yourself a perpetual student of it. Even if you don't have the means to go to a fancy school, who cares? Like watch everything. And even if you don't like it, write down why you don't like it. Watch everything. If you love it, it's not enough to love it. Figure out why you love it. What about it is hitting those buttons for you. Mm -hmm. Make everything um, a learning moment. And, you know, I would say for people that are a little bit further along in their career that are experiencing a lull or like a COVID block on their work, which so many artists are right now, I would try to just lovingly remind them that whatever you're experiencing, even if you can't see it right now, Mm is food for your art, whatever it is, how the deeps of the depths of despair or the mundane, or, um, you know, the euphoria, whatever it is, you're gonna be able to draw upon draw upon in your work um, as a performer. And as you try to embody stories moving forward, you can use all of that. And I remember, in one of my low points saying, you know, I used to be better. I was so like a really sad point. And I just said, I think I used to be better than what I am. And the truth is that that's impossible. It's truly 100% impossible because where wherever I was, even yesterday, today I've experienced more, which means that I can bring more to the table. So it is absolutely impossible that I am, I, I am as good as I will ever be right in this moment. You know, and I try to use that as an encouragement.
0: Tony, I, I really appreciate um, the fact that you were able to, um, you know, lounge with me this morning. Um,
1: I know, I should have sat back more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, you know, my chair, it's, its its um, you know, I have to really like sit up or sit back in it to feel real comfortable when I'm up, like it's just...
1: You it's, need two lounge chairs. You need I mean, like... yeah. It's like, you know, between two ferns. We need to really get this on the nose. When you're lounging with Skip, you like take your lounge chair and like you just lounge.
0: I'm just lounge. Yeah, lounge. Um, I, I really appreciate you and I thank you for, for for, for you know, getting on the, on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Um, I want everyone to know that um, like I said, this she's a true testament to um, her goal and her journey and her passion. And like I said, she's one of The the reason why I wanted to interview her was because of the fact of me seeing her every day. And I can feel the energy of her knowing that where she is in life, in, in her moment, um, is a blessing. And, you know, it's one of those things where how you were feeling when you got the barbershop series and how you were like, isn't this great? <laughs> <laughs> Where now you're kind of, you know, like it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I feel this, and I'm, I, I, I love this, and, and you know, what I mean, and, and you know, just, I'm, I'm just glad. I'm glad. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to, you know, talk with me. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, let people know your, your Instagram so they can, uh, if they, you know, I'm pretty sure those that see this, but those that don't, what, what's your Instagram?
1: My Instagram and Twitter, all the all of it's the same. It's at Tony Trucks. Very simple. At Facebook, all of it's the same. At Tony Trucks, nothing clever, but um, it's interesting enough, I'm sure. But Skip, you are so wonderful. Thank you so much. You're such a warm and inviting oh, yeah. energy that is disarming in the best way, mm-hmm. and you're a pleasure to speak with. And I'm so glad that you asked me to be a part of this. I'm, I'm, I'm. Gonna trick you into putting in my my, my bun one day
0: when you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, cause me being when, you, when set, you're ready. when yeah. you're ready. You
1: master the famous bun.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still learning those buns and and, and still learning the particular <laughs> of Tony, I really appreciate you and I thank you and I hope that you have a blessed day and I'll see you on set. You too. All right, thank I'll you. See you on set. Bye.